Okay, welcome back to the Snowling Podcast. This is your host, Gord Van. But today, I'm uh, very pleased to have Al Armstrong on, and he is going to host this uh, episode um, because uh, we have a gentleman coming on uh, that uh, Hal knows all too well about. He uh, follows this guy a lot, Gabe Bunky. And, um, and uh, so I'm going to hand over the uh, controls to uh, Hal, and um, we're going to talk to Gabe. But first, uh, Hal, um, what are you working on these days for, uh, for uh, Time Machines? And uh, you're with Snowtech now. Oh, thanks, Gord. Uh, yeah, the uh, upcoming uh, issue of uh, Snowtech magazine should be on the newsstands in a couple of weeks. Is uh, a story on the uh, seventy-seven Polaris RXL, and um, anybody if um, you know that knows a lot about past history of racing will uh, will know that uh, that particular sled. And the interesting thing on this story, what I uh, what I did when I was writing it was I, I dug a little deeper um, to contact the people that are still around Roseau in the, well, not even in Roseau, one of the fellows that actually designed the, uh, the actual the, the styling of the hood and the uh, graphics package and, and the suits and, and all the, the cool gear they wore back then is from uh, Bozeman, Montana. And uh, so I was able to get a hold of the, uh, the fellows, uh, that are still around, uh, part of the Midnight Blue Express. And uh, so this snow tech story goes into uh, uh, kind of like the, the development of that machine, the inspiration, where it came from, the trials and uh, tribulations, if you want, on, on building this machine, and, um, and ultimately how successful that sled was, which eventually led to the, uh, the, the Polaris Indy. So great story, um, and I uh, hope, uh, you know, if you're not a Snowtech uh, reader, um, check us out. We're on the newsstand, and uh, have a read, and let me know uh, what you think. Great. That sounds like a, uh, that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of research going on in, for the for that particular sled because there, you know, there was that sled was so darn good, and the suspension, the engines, the drivers, everything. There was uh, that, that was uh, quite the team back then. So you say it's going to be on the snow, on the shelves in a couple weeks, then, eh? Couple weeks, and and just another thing on the RXL, it kind of was the the, the sled that kind of kicked off the whole muscle sled category because. Uh, during 77, Polaris built this 440 triple, and that 440 triple ended up morphing into the engine that was in the TXL Indy 500, which then became the Indy 600 and the Indy 650 and kicked off that whole muscle sled uh, uh, war that went on between all the four manufacturers building the triples, you know, the Thundercats, the Mox Zs, and even the Yamaha VMAX 4. It all originated with that Polaris 77 440 triple back in the day, and then the IFS uh, trailing arm front suspension. So, um, yeah, that machine uh, has a has a lot of a uh, lot of history behind it. Okay, well, great. Okay, well, let's get started here. Let's get Gabe on the on the uh, on the line here and. Uh best there is plain and simple i mean i wake up in the morning i piss excellence and nobody can hang with my stuff uh you know i'm just a just a big hairy american winning machine you ain't first 
Hello, this is Gabe. Hey, Gabe. Okay, this is Gord Van calling, and uh, Hal Armstrong uh, from Snowtech. Uh, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys? We're doing great, man. It's great to talk to you, man. Uh, I've, I've seen you at uh, at uh, Heydays, and uh, and I meant to uh, to chat with you, but uh, well, I chat, chatted with you last year, but uh, and um, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's it's great to talk to you. Um, so. Um, What's going on these days, uh, Gabe? Uh, you must be ramping things up, getting ready for the new season. Yeah, we're we've been um, starting to get you know get back into the groove here, but uh, haven't haven't gotten any any of the, the cross country equipment yet. Just working on on some some bits and pieces of of things that we have left over from last year. Uh, a couple of you know a couple of chassis that that we used in in the open class with uh with with mod stuff in it that's kind of our r&d for for our enduro races and or our our enduro racers so we we run those in the cross country events trying to learn as much as we can and uh, we still have that stuff on hand so awesome work on that from time to time okay hal you still there yeah i'm here okay Uh, perfect Okay, perfect. Hey. Hal, Hal, go ahead. Ask your questions. Okay, uh, uh, Gabe, and thanks again for uh, for doing it, uh, the interview with us. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe we could just, maybe we could just start off with uh, for some of our uh, of our uh, listeners, um, just about the Bunky name, how you uh, how you came to uh, start racing snowmobiles back in the. Uh, Back in, I guess it was the probably the late '90s, maybe early to mid '90s. Um, maybe just step us through that that those first few years before you ended up uh, starting to uh, be a dominant uh, cross country and uh, two I five hundred winner. Yeah, sure. We can step back in time a little bit. It's been uh, it's been twenty years now um, since I first stepped out on the race course. I'd I'd been introduced to it. You know, briefly before that, with uh, with people, the ISOC circuit was big at that time, and you know, I was, grew up in Roseau, Minnesota, and up there, you know, with um, with the Ironman 250, that was big at that time, and and uh, Pine Lake was always a big race, and then a few others that I would you know happen to tag along with, uh, and then you know, an odd uh ussa race uh i remember going to grand forks and watching going up to bojajur and watching and and stuff like that i kind of sparked my interest at that time and then you know just just uh, the history that's that's around rozo um got me going in 1997 um i i got hooked up with with burt bassett out at pro five and and leroy limblad and the boys out there and and they pretty much um, opened the doors for me to to branch out and and uh, and and go racing. You know, supported me uh, for for a number of years, probably close to fifteen years before I branched out and did my own thing. So, yeah, it was uh, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, time flies. Um, you know, I'm just looking at some of the the race photos of you here. It looks like probably the earliest. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was like a 440 XCR, like 97, 98. Was was that one of your first sleds? Yeah, those were my first race sleds. I had owned um, XLTs and XCR 600s prior to that, uh, but you know, with the 440 being the the premier 
sled and, and the, the, the racer sled uh, applied for the race program in, in the summer of summer 96 and, and got accepted and was able to buy a, a XCR 440. So I sold my XCR 600 and I went racing. But uh, I had a couple of friends too that were racing, that high school classmates and stuff that, that I was able to tag along with so we could team up and, you know, share hotel rooms and gas money and stuff like that. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was fun, you know the, the the competitiveness. I mean, I grew up grew up riding snowmobiles through the '80s and early '90s, and okay. just just loved just loved the the competitiveness of it. Yeah. So as a so as a kid growing up in uh, in Roseau, I, I mean, you're immersed with. I mean, Polaris is the the big employer in town, and uh, and snowmobiling is a, a huge part of the, the culture there. Did you play any other sports or do anything else besides sledding when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. Hockey is, is actually probably even more popular in Roseau than, than Polaris. <laughs> Seems like yeah. people want to leave want to leave work when they when, when, when work is over, so they go to the hockey arena. And, um, you know, hockey was, was my life growing up, you know, through – my early childhood from probably age four or five all the way up till I was, you know, probably 15, 16 years old. And, and then, you know, snowmobiles became my, my life after that. Uh, but yeah, no, I played hockey, played football, played some baseball, um, you know, the, the normal stuff up there. So, but yeah, snowmobiling was, was what, uh, what I blossomed into and, and have stuck with ever since. So when you hooked up with uh, the, the you know the fellows at Pro Five, which back in you know the '90s they were you know one of the top performance sled builders of the day. Um, were you um, how, how did you hook up with them? Were you running like a junior class? Like were you racing oval, or did you go right to uh, doing some uh, like Lake uh, Le Mans cross country on the ISOC? Yeah, pretty much went right to the ISOC series. You know, Corey Davidson had been there, I think, right up to the year prior, uh, me me starting. So he was racing out of the back door there, you know, for a number of years. And then uh, I think 1996, 97, he was actually in-house at Polaris. So that opened up a spot for me at Pro 5. And even if he would have been there, those guys would have, would have helped me out. But they had... Uh, yeah, they had a pretty good presence also in 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 cross country, along with you know the USSA stuff and and the enduro circuit out in Michigan. They were you know pretty pretty widely recognized at that point in the game. So you know when you're when you're starting when you started, uh, well, let's talk about terrain racing. Why did you pick terrain racing over uh, over ovals or snowcross? Well, probably because that's what I grew up doing. Uh, you know, oval racing obviously probably would have been, um, you know, a good fit. But you know, especially at the time with with um, you know Formula Three and all the stock classes and stuff like that. But it just wasn't it wasn't local. It, you know, local races for us were mostly cross country races. You know, the only local, the only time, you know, USSA came or the USSA guys, you know, that those, those racers came around was, you know, Grand Forks, I remember. And then, like I said, Bozier, otherwise they were always over in, in Wisconsin or, or whatever. And we never saw any of that, but, you know, Pine Lake and the I-500 and, 
the Ironman and well, I remember, you know, even most most of the cross country races were all in Minnesota. So um, that was that was an easy fit, and then that's what that's what I was familiar with. You know, I mean, terrain racing—that's what I've done for you know easily a ten ten year time span before that. Not racing, but riding. So I understood how to read snow in the ditches. I knew how to understand. You know, I understood how to read terrain. You know, in the woods and and across lakes on flat, you know, flat light and stuff like that, a lot better than I knew how to drive wide open into a a corner set. You know, with a with a sled set up for ice. You know, that's yeah. this wasn't what I was was around. I guess at that time. So you never spent any time then. Uh, you know, a lot of the fellows that I've met uh, that are you know have been good trained cross country racers. For Polaris have always come out of the out of the uh, you know out of the um, field test development group at Polaris where they're you know they're they're pounding sleds all day that type of thing and then on the weekends they might you know jump into a couple of uh, cross country races. You never did that at all, did you? No, I didn't. I did get an opportunity to work at Polaris though right after high school and and I spent some time with uh, with Bob Eastman and and. Um, Worked in the same department as Eddie Eddie Munzrud and and Bob Prezekwis and Joe Marbrant, so that was kind of fun. I learned learned quite a bit about you know snowmobiles at the time. Uh, for so I did that for two summers, and then then I started racing uh, that that following winter. I didn't uh, didn't continue on with my with my internships, I guess, at Polaris. And and um, at the time, I was going to school for engineering in in Fargo. Uh, where I currently live still, and didn't uh, finish that degree, but went on and and got a construction degree, and you know that <laughs> that helped that helped uh, with with my uh-huh. I guess ease ease my my you know trying to figure out how to, how I could race snowmobiles in the winter, so do construction in the summer and race snowmobiles in the winter, so that ends the time. So okay. So then, uh, were you, Gabe, were you always kind of like just running on your own then, like in these early years when you won the, you know, Pro Open Point Championships for the U.S. Cross Country? Were you on your own or did you have a, a full-time mechanic with you? Uh, how, how did that go? Yeah, it was pretty much, you know, in the in the early 2000s, like 2003, when USCC, you know, formed and stuff, it was... You know, during the heyday of of uh, WSA, the snowcross um, era. So, I mean, we'd we'd lost a lot of our our, our racers, so we were down on numbers um, at that time. But you know, we still had, had a few really good riders out there with Corey Davidson and you know Brian Beardall. Brian Dick um, was hitting races when he could, and. Um, you know, Brad Pake, I even remember ran some races back in 2003. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I was basically running on my own. Uh, I'd, I'd spend a few few weeks of the year, you know, when I could up in Rosa at Pro 5, and they'd help me get stuff set up. And especially before the Sioux, you know, I'd go up and, you know, work on, work on the equipment, basically spend nearly a month up there. Uh, before the Sioux, you know, testing for cross country and testing for the Sioux and stuff like that. It was just a nonstop process. But yeah, I was living down here in Fargo at that time. So, 
pretty much on my own. And then I had um, I had guys that I was going to school with that would come and help on weekends and in the evenings and stuff. So I had you know some some help there. You know, and they yeah. basically just wanted to do it to to get out of the the library. So it was it was easy. <laughs> was it basically, uh, uh, Gabe? Like back in those days, was it kind of just a break even proposition for for racing, or were you or were you making a few bucks doing it? Yeah, no, we weren't. We we weren't. It was it was a break even. You know, and looking back on it, I could say that you know it was it was what we were doing to try to build a brand. But at the time, we didn't think anything of that. So. We, you know, we just did it because, you know, I did it because I loved it. Um, Players was still supporting uh, myself and and Corey Davidson at the time. So, you know, we we were able to, as long as we kept going to the races and, and, you know, promoting Players products and and doing well, uh, they were they were willing to, to help us out on a very limited budget, but it was enough to keep us going, you know? So yeah, we could race all winter usually and, and then try to sell our equipment at the end of the year and hopefully break even. Okay. Gordon, you got any questions for Gabe? Yeah. I'm just wondering, uh, the upcoming season, uh, coming up, uh, Gabe, what, what, uh, what, what have you got, uh, coming up with for, for sleds? Uh, are you getting the, the new, uh, IQR and, uh, um, or when do you expect to uh, to get it? Well, we're we're running for cross country now. We're running the XCR package, which is in the Axis chassis. That's what we've been you know um, been working with here for the last couple of years, and had you know we've been getting it to work pretty good, and really like the the, the chassis as a whole. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of excited this year because we're going a little longer. One of the things that I think was was holding us up, you know, at the speeds that we're running, and you know, since everything has gotten so tall, is our 121 tracks and stuff have been a little, a little um, twitchy, I guess you could say, sometimes at high speeds. But you know, the longer tracks, from what we've learned from the guys up in Alaska that race the Iron Dog, they've uh, they've really gotten those things to work good. So we're pretty excited to, to yeah, get those one, things going. Yeah, you got 137s this year, okay? Yeah, one thirty six, I believe. Yeah, with uh, two five two pitch tracks this year on these on those the XCRs. So, but yeah, so the only thing we're running the the IQR the six hundred R basically is in our Enduros the the um, the Sui five hundred, and then you know any mod stuff that we do in cross country, we're working with that chassis still. So. So, yeah, and that's what, a pretty. What, that's what, pretty. What do you run through, uh, Gabe? What, what, do you, what do you run through? What, what do you exactly do? Do you, do you, do you see when you get your sled? Do you strip it down, and uh, where do you go from there? Like uh, um, the bracing. Like what, what? Talk us through the process of preparing your your sled for cross country racing, and then maybe uh, and maybe the enduro racing. The cross country sleds, you know, there isn't a lot you can do to them. Uh, for the most part, the XCR is 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 the sled that that we've you know asked for ever since 2015. In 2015, when we started running the Rush or the Axis Rush, it was you know a pretty lightweight piece of equipment, and you know we bent a lot of parts, so we had to do a lot of reinforcing at that time. And now they've built the XCR with all the reinforcements in it that it needs. So uh, we still do tear them down, and we go through them. It's tough, you know, with uh, with the chassis now all being glued and and everything that it, you know you can't really, you know, move and align things like you 
you used to be able to and the way the motors are mounted in there there isn't a lot you can do but we take them all apart and we put them all back together because we we do find you know some discrepancies between chassis so we figure out which ones are going to be the best ones to run on on ice and and which ones you know we're going to run on the train and and then you know they come out of the crate you know pretty much in in a stock trail ride configuration so we we set them up with uh our ice packages different tracks you know different shocks all that stuff so we get them all lowered down we got to stud up everything you know and um yeah it's it gets to be pretty extensive but you know it's not a lot of modifications per se it's just more or less going through it and and making sure everything is the best that it can be nice the uh gabe uh just how many hours to to prep uh uh an xcr uh for cross country Oh, we'll spend we'll spend all of you know it's on it's on and off, but we'll spend we'll get them here in the next couple of weeks, and they'll literally be tore down probably until Thanksgiving. So well over a month we'll spend working on them, but it's not you know like full eight hour days. We'll go up you know in the evenings and and um, you know work on it during the day for a couple hours here and there when when a guy has time, and then on weekends and stuff like that, but. I would say hours wise, we're probably looking at upwards of uh, thirty to forty hours um, for a couple of machines, getting it ready to go for for uh, for, for hitting the ice, if not more. So Tracks when take a lot of time. So the like uh, when you're preparing uh, like a sled for the uh, the Winnipeg, and you you ran the Winnipeg last year, right? Yep. Yep. And they finally got it off. The weather cooperated and everything. So a Winnipeg sled versus uh, some of these lake racing sleds. Are you using the same sled, and then you're just you're just lowering it uh, so it handles better on the ice versus you know in the ditches, or do you have two different chassis? Yeah, no, it's it's all the same. It depends, you know, how how we decide to do it. It kind of depends on the schedule. Usually, you know, there's there's a uh, three of us running out of the trailer here this year it's it's myself and and my my two boys taylor who's 21 and then bull who's 14 who's going to be around the juniors classes but taylor and i are both running the pro class and then he's kind of the main focus right now is as one of the young guys up and coming that we're trying to get you know into that winning mode so we can you know hopefully you know get some championships and i'm basically just trying to make sure he has what he needs to win and still stay competitive out there um you know to try to you know who knows well 40 41 year old man can can win a race or two every now and again Corey davidson did it a couple of years ago so we just keep chomping at the bit there but yeah it's um kind of going back to the question it, it depends on the schedule so we we run ice for the first part of the year and then we'll transition into cross country and then the cross country kind of runs right into the i-500 so we'll we'll basically you know it depends on how the sleds are sitting after the first race of the year which is on ice we'll maybe use that sled for the i-500 if it's in really good shape we'll just tear it tear it down and go through it because that sled we set up really good for speed anyway and then we'll use what we're learning throughout the year and bolt on the components that we know 
are where we, we, we needed to be for, for the I-500, depending on snow condition and the, the terrain and stuff. So so just yeah. for every everybody out there, um, you're basically, you're running the, uh, this year you're going to be running the XCR switchback chassis with the, with the 600 motor, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So the 800 class. There's no 800 class. It's uh, these are all 600 uh, sleds, and um, basically, it's. Uh, I guess you must change the shock valving and that. But even that XCR, the way it comes from the factory, it's uh, it's, it's a pretty rugged, pretty stiff, uh, big bump sled. So, do you, are you are you changing up the shock valving quite a bit, even from that, making it stiffer or? Yeah, I know we have to stiffen them up a little bit. Um, we 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 were on into some pretty harsh terrain, and and we sacrificed a little ride in order to handle the the terrain that we drive into. So, I mean, you have to expect that as as courses get rough, you just got to drive hard all the time. It doesn't matter; you can't let off. So. We, uh, yeah, we definitely stiffen them up. And then we're also, you know, working with Walker Evans, who's one of our main sponsors. We're working with them quite a bit. So we're not always running the stock shock either. Sometimes we're running what they're going to maybe bolt on next year's sled um, to try to see if we can get a, a good package, you know, good baseline package. That's essentially where we were back in 2016 is we ran XCR shocks all winter. Uh, you know, so we come up with the best package to put on that sled for production you know and it, it ultimately it, it is it, it's basically spot on for somebody like my my uh my 14 year old who's you know running juniors 14 and 17 he can take the stock shocks and he can go out and drive as hard as he can and he can't get it to bottom out i mean if you drive into a rock or something you have the front torque arm will probably bottom out but for the most part it's it's pretty stout it's pretty good right out of the box so yeah so, um, preparing for the, um, and I've always been interested in this, the Su 500, you know, um, maybe it's, it's kind of like the Indy 500 of snowmobile racing. And usually you have one or two, I, I think there's only been a couple of fellows that have actually run the whole race by themselves. Have you done that or have you always been part of a, a team with another driver? Yeah, no, ever since... Ever since I started having success there, I think that that whole concept of being able to run it yourself, John Wicking it as we call it now, kind of yeah. is is not really feasible. The pace has gotten so fast that you can't you can't. I don't think you can physically do it. And then everything is you know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to speculate and 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 say that there's any way to. Um, you know, sneak around getting around, getting all the laps in either. But you know that that was always some speculation that that happened. So, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty tough to do. So I'm always running with with one teammate, uh, if yeah. not two. For the most part, it's just just me and another guy. Okay. So on the um, on that type of race, what what is the biggest difference as far as you know, physically preparing for, you know, like the Winnipeg 500 cross country versus the Sioux 500, which, which one do you find the, uh, the most physically and mentally, uh, taxing? Oh, I would have to say, um, 
you know, there's, there's, they're both equally as, as difficult. Um, I would, I would have to say the Sioux is, is probably a little bit more physically and mentally challenging for me just because there's, there's so much going on in the week prior. Um, and, and just getting everything done, making sure everything is, is ready to go. But I don't know the the Winnipeg, obviously too, is 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 equally as hard and physically challenging. I mean, you're putting putting in a hundred hundred and fifty to two hundred mile days at a pretty good pace, and and sometimes the conditions are are more brutal than than what you you'll face at the Sioux ever because because of, of just the, the the train that Mother Nature can throw at you, where, where at the Sioux, everything is pretty much, you know, it's it's contained and it's plowed and it's managed, but uh, but it's it's a it's a grueling pace all day long. So you wind up putting in, you know, anywhere from 200 to 300 miles at the Sioux, uh, depending on how, how the shifts, you know, play out between drivers. Um, and it's all done in you know, one day. So I don't know the, the Winnipeg race, I guess, giving the fact that you, you've got that time off and, and between, between each run, you know, I, I would have to think that, you know, that's probably just as equally as tough too and challenging. Yeah. So so now Bunky, you've, you've got uh, Bunky racing, going it's kind of like uh maybe like the new pro five that's the pro five of 20 2017 2018 i would think uh when i when i you know there's not a lot of not a, a lot of uh performance shops that are building race sleds or race kits that type of thing anymore uh for polaris um tell us a little bit about bunky racing and and what you have to offer i'm looking on your website here you've got this indie race kit if somebody wanted to buy one of those, mm-hmm. what are they what are they getting? Yeah, so what we did with uh, with the Indy, you know, that was just kind of an open door that that Polaris left open there. And in 2013, when they came out with it, we were we were racing IQRs, and it was um, one of those transition. We were in that transition period where where the cross country series has kind of wanted to move into. Uh, trail sleds, you know, or consumer-based snowmobiles, and and players wasn't willing to to go down that road yet because they wanted to race their race sleds. So we just kind of took the bull by the horns, I guess you could say a little bit. And we had we had a guy that that we work with at Players that has been racing for a while, racing Indy for us, and then we just developed that package. So we put uh, we put one full season on on an indie and then the following year in 2014 i ran that indie you know 2000 miles across alaska and the iron dog and you know pretty much guarantee that it's the best that that um that we can put together right now you know without going back and 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 readdressing it now with with some new some of the newer technology but the stuff that we had at that point it was it was pretty good it was pretty awesome so uh, that's basically where that kit came from, and you know we've wanted to maybe branch out and maybe do a little bit more of that, but you know trying not to spread ourselves too thin. Um, we've focused on the race uh, race aspect of of our 
of, of the, the business more so than than the the, the sales and, and performance kits and stuff like that. But we still, you know, help out a lot of people with with shock work and and you know put put them put them on what they need for you know clutching and gearing and stuff like that if they want to go out and and try a cross country race whether it's here in Minnesota or you know out east in Vermont even you know we've got guys that we work with out there and, and quite a few guys actually over in Michigan that that we work with in Wisconsin so it's um you know it's been it's been fun to to meet all those people and and talk with them and you know Definitely, it's something that we're going to be doing more of in the future. So, um, just as as things progress here, and 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 I'm able to maybe, you know, rest the bones a little bit and not not race every weekend all winter long, and and maybe uh, try to figure out the next next phase of, of bunky racing. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of what we're looking at, and you know, there's always some uh, some t-shirts on there too. You know, fans love that stuff so we you know if we don't get get a chance to meet them at at heydays or or at the sioux or or at the i-500 you know they're more than welcome to visit our website and, and order for something and we can get them yeah. you know what they're looking for so so you know sioux i-500 winner i'm looking here you're what one two three four five six seven seven years you won the i-500 and and uh in Sault Ste. Marie and and you had like uh three consecutive victories uh, you know almost you almost had a streak here for for five five years it looks like in a row um what's the what's your secret there why is why is uh, <laughs> are, are you like the all-time Sioux I-500 winner <laughs> uh no actually I'm not uh Corey Davidson actually has eight so we are, you know, we're really good friends. He's from Holt, Minnesota, so I see him quite often. And, you know, we rib each other about a little bit, but um, and he's definitely nervous that he's going to get, you know, he's going to have a partner there. And, you know, you just never know. You have to have a lot of luck with this race, uh, along with, with great equipment and a great team. So one of the things that, that's made, that's, that's the key to our success is, in my opinion, is, is the people that you know I've surrounded myself with, and and it all started, you know, with um, with with our trip to the Sioux in 2010. Actually, when I asked my my teammate Aaron Christensen, who was you know a snowcross racer who ventured over into cross country in 2008, I think, and and I didn't didn't know him that well, but I knew he could ride. So uh, and I was looking for your teammate and convinced him to to come and try the Sioux and we had a basically I took one of my cross country IQRs that year and and uh, and just had a friend of mine from Polaris um, help me build a motor because the, the stuff that we were running at Pro 5 at the time you know wasn't up to speed we were down on horsepower and we were running the old 600 small block and I figured you know what, we got to transition into the new the new age uh, motors and this race engine was intriguing to me and I didn't know a lot about it uh, but I got some help and we built the motor got some pipes and um, you know I guess Pro 5 was still on board with us so they they let us put it all together there and we put uh, put it out on the, the track and, and we were doing okay and then we wound up losing, losing a piston so we um, 
we had to bring her in and we fixed it in there and had never run there before. So we said, well, let's fix this thing so I can go out and get some laps. This is kind of fun. And, you know, Aaron, I think, was kind of the key to the whole opening the doors to having Polaris jump on board because he and, and Tom and Tom Rager Sr. and Tom Rager Jr. go way back to the early 2000s in the snowcross days. So Tom Rager Sr. actually came the Sioux that year and to watch Aaron and I run and okay. he was he was impressed he said you know what we can win this thing so he said I'm going to figure out how we can you know do this he put together a budget and and um, they built uh, you know we brought in Larry Ruglin to build up some motors for 2011 and we uh, we tested a whole bunch in 2011 before we went to the Sioux I think I probably put on 500 miles on the sled before I even went to the Sioux and we went there that year with two sleds and that was the year that I invited um, the 537 sled the Faust team to come along with us so basically we fielded two sleds that year and Aaron and I on on the seventy four, and then then Ryan and his brother Travis on the the five thirty seven, and we yeah. we were leading in two thousand eleven. I think we had about a three lap lead with about seventy laps to go, about four thirty, four twenty five, or something like that. I think um, Aaron caught a kicker coming into one. He was on the sled, and. It, uh, it threw him off, and he had a pretty good wreck, and and it knocked us back. We lost two of the two of the laps that we we were leading, but we we're still leading. But the sled was bent up, and we wound up falling back to third that year. So that was pretty disheartening because we knew we had a package that could win, um, you know. And then our team just kept growing. Our the crew behind us, you know, just kept on and. You know, it's been the same guys ever since, you know, the 2010 year pretty much. And it's just kind of grown from there. And now we've got, you know, Ben Hayes is my crew chief. Uh, he's he's working at Polaris, um, basically trying to figure out every day, I think, how to make these things better. And then he's, he's, he's talked to his dad, Doug, and, and uh, his uncle, Gene Hayes, um, in, in as being spotters. And, you know, they haven't been around snowmobiles on the competitive side for a long time, but they're pretty sharp when it comes to that stuff. They understand what it takes to win, and uh, you know, having the right people in in the tower spotting for you makes a big difference. So, so you know, it's so not this, just the drivers and the whole team. So this uh, Ben Hayes, he's uh, he's working in the in the Polaris uh, race department. Yep, he's the he's the race coordinator over at uh, in Wausau at, at the at the race department. And oh, he's, okay. okay. So yeah, so part yeah. of the the Hayes family, Stan Hayes, Doug Hayes, uh, that that whole that whole uh, family that was uh, you know Hall of Fame snowmobile racers. Yeah, yeah, they're all part of the team, which is kind of it's kind of fun. But it's kind of fun for a week out of every year to get together with everybody, and you know, especially with the success that we've had. You know, I can't can't argue with that. So it's definitely the highlight of our season. So um, just just to kind of wrap things up here. Um, uh, this coming uh, season, um, 
think you had told me earlier that you're uh, you're building another suit sled for uh, for for, for Kajal Potter. He's going to be racing a bunky sled also. Yeah, so that's just kind of a, a satellite sled that we're building. You know, we we own the sled, but um, it's not part of the the development team, I guess, that, that we're working with, you know, between my sled and, and the 537 sled, the two the two that we've been fielding for the last seven years, six years, I, I guess. Um, it, it's it's just in kind of an independent deal, but it's, it's something that we thought was a great opportunity for Taylor and, you know, my son to, to team up with Cardell, somebody else who's, you know, he's, he's young, he's in his 20s, so we're just looking at the, the future of the program and trying to, you know, work with these guys a little bit more and, and, and then, you know, get, get valuable seat time. And you just never know, you know, I mean, if, if they're on their game, they're both definitely pro caliber drivers. So, um, if we're neck and neck at the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if, if they were able to pull up, squeak out a win, you know, just as easy as, as we could. So it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's just another another level we got going on here at Bunky Racing. So what do you think, of, um, you know, with um, the future of cross-country racing and that? Is it is it a sport that's it's kind of had a bit of a resurrection here in the last few years? Is it something that you, you see growing or is it, or is it um, you know, it's not going to be like it was in its heyday just because of, uh, you know, growing populations. It's tougher to, to set these courses up to get access. Uh, what, what do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on it? I know Brian Nelson does a great job on the circuit. Uh, you know, pulling these races together. What, what do you think the future is for uh, for cross country? I want to, I want to hope that it, it, it's going to keep prospering. But you know, my, my gut tells me is. You know, from from history, you know, cross country racing is is taking a roller coaster ride, which a lot of racing has over the years. And um, we've done a, a good job at at resurrecting it and bringing it back since the early 2000s. You know, 2001, 2002, it was pretty much dead um, when snowcross kind of took over and everybody went that direction. But you know we've gained some traction, and we we've definitely done a really good job at at um, trying to accommodate, to, like what you said, the 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 uphill battles that we have now of of land access and and permitting and and things like that with with our courses, you know, trying to keep them in you know rural areas and. You know, but yet still trying to keep some of the um, the history behind it. You know, like with the I five hundred, and you know, we always have really good racing in Thief River. Um, you know, where they used to have the old Ironman and stuff like that. And you know, I don't know uh, for the future. To be honest, I I think we've we've kind of plateaued. It would be great if if we could you know entertain more new faces to the sport but it just seems like it's the same people year after year um coming back and you know obviously after time those people move on you know their their kids get older or they have kids and they become you know become family people and you know it kind of takes precedent over over the race stuff so but hopefully we can keep the younger generations coming 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, the whole sport of snowmobiling is, is you know, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's what, where's that silver bullet to get more interest uh, uh, back in the sport and keep the younger people in? Everybody seems to be so pressed for, for time and time demands and, and doing things and, uh, and snowmobiling, um, you know, especially with the weather, it's, it takes a beating. As long as we got great snow, everybody, you know, everybody's back on board. They love it. There's, you know, as soon as you fire up your sled, it's you got to grin from ear to ear. But uh, as soon as you get some of that rainy, mild weather, it's uh, it takes its toll on uh, on the sport and keeping interest in it. Um, yeah, for what sure. About, what about your schedule this coming uh, year? When does it start? And uh, and then maybe just uh, give a shout out to your main sponsors. Yeah, the the season pretty much kicks off the middle of December, Mother Nature permitting, obviously, and yeah, that'll be up in Pine Lake. Uh, it's on on the lake top up there. It's probably one of our biggest cross country races of the year, just because it's the first one and everybody's um, everybody's anxious to get out there. And it's actually a pretty decent spectator sport. We um, we split it up. So the pros run mainly mod stuff on Saturday, and they've they've uh, they've turned the the open class into a little bit better venue. So there's actually some some prize money there and and everything, and they hold a hundred mile final with uh, with open sleds, and majority of them, I think, all of them are all you know Sioux and Earl Bay sled so that's also attracting guys from Michigan to come over and and you know get their sleds get, you know out for the first time you know that's the biggest thing is is getting getting everybody out and on their equipment um early so they can get it figured out so they can be you know the best teams so and then from there it's a pretty much it should transition into in the train racing after Pine Lake this year, the way the schedule is looking, uh, with with a couple of other, you know, small races and stuff uh, up in northern Minnesota and in North Dakota there, and you know, Mother Nature permitting again, if there's no if there's no snow, they'll move it over to the ice somewhere. But you know, and then we'll we'll head to the Sioux at the end of uh, end of January for for the race. Um, I believe it's on the. Fourth this year of February. Uh, I don't know my calendar in front of me, but it's somewhere somewhere right around there. It's the first weekend of February, and come home and and race the I five hundred again if we can get that uh, that that pulled off. That'd be be great because that's you know now we've got an established route. Uh, kind of makes it easier for people to to plan and schedule. So hopefully we can gain more traction there and you know finish the year up. Um, first part of March, keep just keep racing through February and finish it up right over, right over here by Fargo. Um, a lake called uh, Olneda Wash is a little community that we're that we're racing. It's over by Nolan, Minnesota, and that's a pretty good event too. It's usually always they do drag racing and stuff and have some some parties out on the lake and you know while we're racing and. It's always, always a good time for for fans and people who want to come out and watch. And the weather and the daylight's better that time of year too. So, yeah. But, but yeah, you know the the whole season doesn't go off without you know without the help and the support from the people behind us. So you know without. Well, who are their, your uh, 
Who's your big sponsors for, for the 2018 season? The main, the main players, you know, this year are, are again, our, our players and, and, you know, our climb, climb gear out of Rigby, Idaho. They've been with us for you know, seven years now and build some of the best clothing in the business. The Walker Evans shocks, our graphics company, our Arctic FX graphics, and auto light and woodies, you know, are all, well, mainly our, our top players and the people who, who stand by us and make, make the season happen. So, Okay. Nice. All right, Gord. Any yeah. Um, finally, want to talk no. I think I think you. Uh, I, I laughed when you when you said you were a forty one year old uh, and you had two kids coming up racing there, Gabe. And uh, you were wondering if you were going to have time to race yourself. I think you're going to be surprised <laughs> how busy you're going to be. <laughs> but uh, I, wish, oh, I know. I wish you luck. I, know. I wish you luck help, with that. You know, we help we help out a lot of the the up and coming riders too. You know, whether they're. You know, uh, I guess what we've done is we've we've aligned ourselves with players and told them that you know, and we know you guys can't be there every weekend, so count on us to you know be your eyes and ears, and and if anybody needs help, we'll be there for them. Yeah. So we we support we support them all, whether they're a junior class racer or a, or a vet fifty five plus. You know, yeah. um, they're always welcome and. We're an open book when it comes to setups and stuff. So, okay, perfect, Gabe. Uh, where can people reach you? Uh, social media, uh, your website. Uh, where can people get in touch with you and uh, maybe look at your uh, merchandise and or and uh, and kits? Yeah, so our website uh, com is is the website, and there's links to our uh, our Facebook page there also. So um, that's probably the easiest way to, to get in contact with us is, is through those those avenues. So fantastic. Well, sure. well, Gabe, it was great talking to you, and uh, and and Hal, it was uh, you, you fired off some great questions. Uh, so uh, appreciate you both coming on, and um, Gabe, uh, wish you luck uh, this year, and uh, you know keep the track down, and uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's see you go after that uh, that fourth championship on the uh, the Sioux Five Hundred. Absolutely, that would. Uh, that would be great. It's a big 50th of this year at the Sioux I-500, so it's going to be a big show. And what's so that date? What's you guys the date? Uh, have what's the, the weekend, weekend open. You should come over. Yeah, what's the date of that, uh, Gabe? <laughs> I think it's February 4th, if I, uh, if I have my my dates right. It's the first weekend of February, anyway. Okay. It's, it's the first Saturday in February. Yeah, nice. And it's uh, easy to get to for, for Canada and, and the U.S. Uh, residents, so it's a, it's a great event. Nice and mm-hmm. close to the border, so uh, absolutely. Yep. All right, Gabe. It was uh, it was yep. great talking to you, and uh, I say uh, best of luck this year, and uh, and uh, have a great season. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And take care. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks. Take care. Bye. You bet. Have a good day.